Hello and welcome to Spoil Your Rain. This is episode 13. Today's episode is an interview between Ben Simmons and recent general election candidate for the Social Democrats, Niall O'Toole. Niall ran in Galway West in 2016, winning a surprisingly strong showing for a first-time candidate. Due to nearby construction during the recording of the interview, we advise all listeners to turn up the volume during this broadcast. We apologize for any inconvenience caused by this. And now, the interview. Hello, uh, Niall, and welcome to Spoil Your Rain Podcast, episode 13. We're having, we don't particularly have a theme for it just yet, but we are very delighted to have you come and talk with us today. Um, the first question I wanted to ask you is, uh, I'll just begin by asking you just some sort of basic uh, to sort of introduce yourself in sort of how you got involved in politics initially and uh, why you chose to return to represent your home constituency of Galway. Right. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I never, I never thought I was going to get into politics. I had always been very driven, though, by having a positive impact on society. So wherever, wherever I worked, I, I tried to have the maximum impact on society. And so I did a lot of work with, uh, with say McKinsey where uh, like I, I would have been involved in major health reform all over the world um, I went to Africa for a few years where I was building power plants um, and then I, I around the time of the bank guarantee and bailout I just got very frustrated with how politics was working in Ireland I used to never think that like anyone could really make a difference the political system was just kind of stuck in its ways and that and I also thought that while they couldn't do anything majorly brilliant that they, they weren't going to screw it up too badly, but yeah. we were wrong. And so so around the time of the bank guarantee and bailout, I came home. I was looking to have an impact on the election. Um, kind of looked around at the, the political parties and none really kind of like felt like a like a fit for me. Uh, and then I met Stephen, who I used to work with at McKinsey, and he was thinking of running. Uh, so we helped get him set up and, and he got elected to Dáil Air and I think he's been doing a good job. And really that's how I got into politics first. And sort of w- when you were sitting... Uh, you were where you you said you were in Africa at the time, yeah. And so obviously it was the eighty five billion bailout was it was in November two thousand and ten, and did you sort of see that that the bailout was like a watershed moment or like an opportunity for change in the landscape? And when you actually returned, did you were you surprised at how maybe how slowly things dragged out immediately after the bailout in that election? Or? Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't see it as an opportunity because it was it was a deeply frustrating period. I mean, so mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't look at that and say, oh, here's a great chance to change politics. Yeah. Uh, I looked at it and I was just horrified at what had happened and, and how much we had kind of transferred a huge portion of wealth from the Irish taxpayer to European banks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just, it was horrific standing outside, like being on the outside and watching it. So I just felt like I had to do something. Um, whenever I came back, I mean, I was I surprised that things hadn't changed? No, because it, it takes like it takes a huge amount of energy to to build political movements. They don't just come out of nowhere. No. They need they need management. They need uh, they need people. They need leadership, um, and so like, it just it 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 didn't it didn't happen at the time. Um, it's if you're going to go out and take control of parliament you need to have a huge amount of people out working on campaigns to make that happen we're able to pull it off in Wicklow and um, we've been able to build the social democrats and get a good base but we're still 
we're still kind of we still have to have that big grassroots movement if we're going to fundamentally change things. And and where do you kind of see obviously um, there were three successful elections for the Social Democrats in uh, uh, this year, but how did you find personally? Um, obviously, you were the manager for Stephen Donnelly's campaign. The transition to being sort of a backroom sort of manager, sort of preparing a campaign to actually being a face yourself. And it's funny because it actually, I, I didn't find it a huge difference from managing a campaign to or, or being part of the management of a campaign to to running a campaign. I mean, like I suppose it's it's different. The only things that are different is that it's your face in the posters. Yeah, you have to do the media, um, but uh, and obviously you're kind of you're the the face of the campaign, but um but really it's it's like whenever you run a good campaign like it's not the candidate is just the spokesperson and uh, like then really there's like like a campaign is nothing without the big team that's behind it and so we had an incredible team here in Galway um around 10 like really dedicated like like people in the like like almost working almost full time in the campaign out every night and then and then lots of great volunteers on top of that who are who are out uh, who are out canvassing um, and without those guys, like none of this would be possible. I mean, for me personally, it was it was great to be to be running, and um, I really enjoyed the experience. And um, I think we did we did very well, and I would actually say that the campaign was a huge success. Um, and we're looking forward to contesting it again here in Galway next time. And <clears throat> so uh, I spoke to you a little a little bit about this before the interview, and if you just sort of recap on that, initially you were saying that. Uh, while you were initially listed as an independent candidate, it was the Social Democrats was always in the background, but you felt you needed to um, get up and running and launch the campaign. Would you sort of talk a little bit more about the timeline of that and sort of your thinking? Yeah, so so very broadly, um, um, I mean, I had been involved with the discussions of the Social Democrats quite early in the process. Um, and uh, and we were building we we're building away in the background having those talks and it was never it was never a certainty that it was going to happen mm -hmm. uh, and we weren't sure when the election was going to be whether it was going to be in the summer whether it was going to be at toward around november time or whether it was going to be in february um and and so i just felt that if i was going to have a good shot at winning a seat um we needed to start as soon as we could so i, I launched as an independent candidate now, now, always the intention was to either be part of the Social Democrats or start a party of one and, and get going from there. <laughs> um, I mean, while I have I have great respect for independence and the role that independence can play, um, and certainly Stephen and Catherine, uh, Catherine Murphy have shown what's possible to do as independence. I really think that if we're going to change the system fundamentally, we need to have a big new party, and ideally for me, a Social Democratic party, uh, that it can be the biggest government, the biggest party in government and, and lead a government. And we're kind of strange in Europe that we don't have a big social democratic party like other like other countries do. And when you look at, at how other countries have developed, um, usually they've had big social democratic parties that have been at the heart of setting up good public services. And that's been missing in Ireland. It's, there is a kind of a dearth of real, I don't want to say left in terms of like far left-wing parties but yeah like a social democratic movement in Ireland and also in terms of sort of policy discussion it does seem to like um recently with uh obviously the Labour Party being in a coalition government 
sort of really sapped sort of any energy out of sort of a left discussion that wasn't based around Nice issues. So uh, the eighth water charges, uh, property tax. And while those issues are good motivators in themselves, they don't seem to be very forward looking about asking questions about government. Those those movements are obviously needed, but did you did you see any particular way that you think the Social Democrats can really contribute to a new discussion? Yeah, well, I think we already are. So if yeah. you look at the, um, uh, it's going to be. I mean, as much as I, I'm not, uh, I don't particularly like the the form of this government, um, and I, I mean, I'd love to that the Social Democrats were were a bigger party and that we were able to to be part of or lead a kind of a centre left government. Um, I mean, we have, the, we have the government that we have, and I think it's actually going to be a really interesting time for this doll uh, that doesn't have, that doesn't, isn't completely controlled by, by government. Um, and so we've already been able to use that to, to change the conversation. So take around health, which is one of my passions. Roisin Shorthall, who used to, our, one of our party leaders, who used to be a junior health minister, is just, is going to introduce a, a motion calling for Parliament to set out a 10-year cross-party vision for, for our health service, moving it from a kind of a very complex, very hospital-focused two-tier system to a much more community-based single-tier system. And and we've been able to get Fianna Fáil and, and, uh, and Sinn Féin and, and the Green Party and people who are profit and some independents that sign up to that. We have a majority uh, and we're going to be able to do that. So like already we're, we're setting that tone and we're punching way above our weight imagine what we could do if we were a bigger party and yeah. were able to actually lead a government we'd, we'd be able to set up a proper nhs we'd be able to invest in government services that reduce the cost of living for families uh, and we've been able to to also support small and medium businesses to to um to be able to really put a, a solid structure behind our economy that isn't reliant on on multinationals The way you talk about there, like about punching above your weight, that is, I suppose, as you said, it's kind of one of the opportunities that we have with, as you said, the doll not completely uh, being sort of tied by a majority led party. Uh, and much of the sort of the discussion coming out uh, from the Social Democrat does like look for the profit of social and political reform. Now, you said you're particularly in health, which is your own interest. Um, would there be another area besides that where you sort of see it's not that it's sort of the mismanagement necessarily of any particular party but just how the discussion has been sort of narrowed in this country around other topics maybe it's around services or um, sort of speaking rights in terms of the doll do you think there are other yeah. sort of reforms uh, like that I think, I think we particularly when it comes to budgeting like we take a very narrow, we have a very narrow conversation around around the budget and and how we think about things. It's kind of a mentality in that, for for as an else as like kind of until recently an outsider looking in at politics and also coming from a kind of a background where where I've been involved in public service reform. There's this there's this strange mentality where they like like people people think about where you're getting your tax from and where you're spending it. Mm-hmm. And there's very little linkages between those two, because in the real world, whenever you're investing in public services, you are you are either reduce like whenever you do it well, you're either reducing the cost of those services in the future, or you're you're using them to bring in more tax. And so we kind of we have this weird, 
a kind of mentality where people where the two big parties will say, "Oh, we'd love to invest in the public services, but we don't have the money at this time," yeah. uh, or "We'll do it when it, as resources allow." Um, whereas, really, the proper conversation you should be having is, "Okay, we're going to invest in the public services. If we make this investment, what's the payback in terms like how is it going to reduce the cost of services in the future, or how is it going to bring in more tax revenue? Mm-hmm. How many years is it going to take to pay back? Okay, is this a good investment or not?" Yeah. Um, and really, like, like for me, that's that's a big shift that needs to happen if we're going to invest competently in the public services. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree. I think there's a certain sort of horrible irony about the fact when you talk about sort of not investing in stuff like infrastructure, social services, when, which is actually decreasing government assets. You're allowing things to dwindle. Like so when... Like when you privatize, sometimes whether you can argue good or bad for privatization, but a lot of the time those infrastructure pieces that are being privatized were paid off with loans that were taken out by the government. Yeah. Debt. Yeah. And when a private company takes over, they don't take over the debt mm. that the, the nation has acquired and they go with assets in order to sort of get that money and now it's sold off. Yeah. So the government has to go back and look for more money for assets it no longer is in control of. Yeah, I, I think we. I mean, it's part of the part of the design flow of democracy, and that it, like like when you when you have no, I'm not proposing a longer election cycle, but I mean when you when you have a, a four to five year window, and really really people think even less than that. Um, I mean you, you can't. It's very hard to encourage this kind of long term thinking when politicians are when every incentive they have is to say what's going to look good in the next year or two, what's going to get me re-elected. Um, and if you're not, and it's very easy to be able to say, okay, there's this huge pot of money available from, say, selling off our, our telecoms infrastructure, yeah. um, and we can we can sell that off and, and generate a whole lot of money to do stuff in the next year or two, but no one really, there isn't the incentive to think, okay, well, how is that going to affect us 10 years down the line? Yeah. And now we see like there's huge problems with, say, investing in broadband, a lot of the infrastructure is privatized um, like we, we have to we have to I think politicians have to have the bravery and leadership to think in long term mm-hmm. like, like longer term and I would hope that we were we're, we're meeting that stand that standard in, in the social democrats well it seems that in some ways like by by punching above your weight that's that's yeah. the kind of intention of yeah and, and like I think that. as well like part of the fear of politicians is misguided because actually yeah. uh, people respect you whenever you tell them the truth and, and say, and for example, in the last election, we were the only party that went out and said, we're actually not going to, we're not going to reduce taxes at all. And right. um, we, we think that it's better, better spent investing in public services. And we got a lot of applause. Uh, we got a lot of praise for, for that. Um, and so I think people will actually respect you if you tell it straight. And if people trust that you're thinking in the long term. And they trust that you're actually going to deliver on that, then they'll give you the leeway to invest in in, in the long term. Actually, I um I did watch that leaders' debate where Jim Lonnie was involved in the TV three one, and he did come across as a very kind of very respectable candidate. And you can debate whether those debates actually have a huge effect on the turnout in the election. Mm. But it was very impressive because I had heard very little about the party up yeah. until that point. Yeah. Just sort of the announcement. I forget when the original announcement was. But yeah, it was a very interesting sort of dynamic, and it did feel quite new. Yeah. So I suppose that that did prompt my interest very much initially. Yeah. I'd say the, what was all the stuff that was said in the debate, but definitely 
it did seem like a different attitude, which, um, yeah, is very yeah, I much. I mean, like you, you, um, you asked, like what, 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 what impact does the debates have on on the election? For us, had a huge, a huge impact because mm-hmm. we were we were practically unknown. I mean, you're you're a guy who's really interested in politics, and you heard very little of the Social Democrats between. Okay, there's this new party. There's a launch with a new party called Social Democrats. Very little in the middle, and suddenly you have like mm-hmm. the leaders' debate. The leaders' debate, I think, had something like a million people watching it. Yeah. Whenever we were out, the difference between canvassing the day before the leaders' debate and the day after the leaders' debate was huge for us as a small party. Yeah. Uh, for the bigger parties, I mean, people kind of know what they're getting to some extent, yeah. and there's a bit of floating voter that'll switch between one or the two. But for us, it's it's massive, and so it was very it was very tough. I mean, it was a great opportunity for us to get on that one on TV three. Um, it was very damaging that we weren't on the other the other two or three leaders' debates. Yeah, that was actually I think that was a a big shortcoming of. Uh, the entire election was the coverage. Yeah. Um, not just yourself, but obviously the huge amount of independent candidates and the strength which independent candidates had. Yeah. Which sort of meant that a huge majority of people who would be elected as representatives never got. Yeah. Besides on their own local radio stations mm-hmm. where like, um, obviously Leitrim and Donegal where I'd be more familiar with yeah. what's going on in local media that like otherwise yeah. it just was. Yeah, well, just, I mean, if you're setting up as a... Everything is kind of... Everything in the system is set up against a new party like the Social Democrats getting up and running. So say you have the, the party funding situation where you don't get any funding at all uh, whenever you um, whenever you start. And so if you compare it to... I mean, like Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil have like, literally an army of press officers that are out talking to talking to the media. They have... Uh, rooms full of policy people researching policy um, and we have a few volunteers in our central office yeah I mean and so so you're you're like that's that's the kind of the competition that's the level of that's the lack of a level playing field we have you also have like 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 ingrained media laws where they'll have the they'll like to try and they'll they'll give airtime based on the relative size of the mm-hmm. parties and so they'll give more more airtime to the bigger parties. So that's another thing where it's a bit where it's a bit unfair. And um, so you have all these things where it's hard to get set up. And really, the only way we can counteract that is if we get people involved. And there's, I mean, with all of the advantages and all the money that they have, what what the other parties don't have and what they didn't have in uh, compared to what we had in the last election was uh, was an army of of really enthusiastic and authentic volunteers who went out. We're going out door to door, and people could see immediately that they weren't like the regular people who come canvassing. These were people who were excited and energized and wanted to make change happen, and that's that's what we need to. If we're going to do that, we need to build that around the country. Um, and obviously, the Senate uh, elections happened recently. Would you um, would were you ever considering going for a Senate position or one of the committees? Uh, no, no, I, I never really uh, considered the Senate. Um, I think it's, I mean, the Senate plays a very important role and it's going to play a very important role in this next, in this mm-hmm. next government because whatever about, uh, I mean, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael can, if they want, control the Dáil, um, but they, they have no control over the Shannad. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so it's going to be a very interesting, a very interesting Shannad. I think it's very important that we retain the Shannon the last now. It needs major reform. Bizarre, bizarre voting system. Um, yes. But uh, personally, I never, I never considered. It. I really don't like this. 
I really don't like the fact that it's used as a as a backup for uh, for failed all candidates. And would you, what kind of reform would you foresee in the Senate? If, like, if you were to look at the system, whether it's from a your own party kind of point mm -hmm. of view or just from a personal, what would you like to see the Senate become? Because the last referendum we had was very ham-fisted. And when the idea of interesting reform was actually brought up, and he just said no, yeah. flat out, which yeah. seemed childish at the time. It was kind of like, well, actually, no, that's not really how it works. But. It, it was. I mean, it was very clear that the mandate in that referendum wasn't for a Shannad as is. It was for a reform Shannad. I mean, that, yeah. that, that couldn't have been clear. Um, and uh, and it's really, it's it's very disappointing that there, I mean, there there's a very good... There was a there was a very good report done by a working group on on Shannon reform of changes that could be done that wouldn't need any referendum at all, um, uh, so around like how how um, how senators are picked, what what the role of the Shannon is, there's a whole lot of stuff that can that can be done, um, and uh, uh, now like I think we need to we probably need to be a bit uh, no like if we're if we're if we're looking at that I think we should also be looking more widely a constitutional reform and there's a lot of stuff within our constitution that isn't really working uh, either isn't working as intended or like wasn't very well thought through in the first place and i think our constitution and our constitution is really showing its age the fact that we have to have referendums every six months yeah. kind of points to that 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 it's really not not a very good working document yeah, I, I would definitely agree with the idea of Senate, uh, not only Senate reform, but constitutional reform. But how do you think the process would work? Because every time I think of actually going to, say, write an entirely new constitution for Ireland, like, um, I think the best idea would actually just have a competition and everyone sends in a different one. The best one wins. But in all seriousness, if you actually have, sort of, there will be a majority government in that. If, if this is to come to fruition, who would theoretically be in a position perhaps slightly more influential in construction of that uh, constitution, which does, because it would need to be something that is trying to be the best document it can be for the country. Yeah. Like there are certain things that I think that'd be worth maintaining, like the fact that we have to have a referendum in terms of when there are changes with the EU. I think that has actually been a good thing, whether we've used it properly or not is another one, but maintaining that, but how do you think we could get around the idea of making an actual decent constitution? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> and I'd say as well, I mean, obviously I, I think it's a, uh, I think it's important, but uh, like, I think in the, I think there are a few things we need to get done. I mean, there, there are very pressing crises that are going on in the country. And I mean, obviously whenever you, like, like you have the housing crisis, you have the health, like the, the disaster that's going on in health and you have like massive challenges in mental, other mental health, disability rights, there, there's a whole lot of things that really require the full attention of government. And whenever we do come around to, whenever we come around to major reform of the constitution, which I think we should be doing, um, it's going to take a few years of very, like, like very broad consultation and a lot of focus from government and there's going to be lots of, lots of things to trade off and debate. Um, I just I don't think we're ready to have that conversation yet. Okay. So as much as I think like the constitution isn't isn't quite fit for purpose, um, we should probably get on with dealing with some major crises. And then once we're once we feel like like things are on a more stable footing, and we can start thinking about what kind of constitution we want to set up for the future. So we're doing it from a position of strength as opposed to I trying so. to use a new constitution yeah. to 
solve the issues we have now. Yeah, I, I mean, immediately. I, I draw a parallel to um, to health here because, I, like, whenever we've whenever we've reformed, whenever we've tried to reform health, we always seem to come at it from an organizational and a governance um, perspective, and not from an actual operational. Like, how do we? How do we? Um, I, I don't think I don't particularly think the HSE is the right way to to organize the uh, to organize our health service, um, or like the, this or these hospital groups uh, that the that the last government set up. But you know what? Until we've sorted out how the nuts and bolts of the hospital operations are going to work, um, and we've improved uh, safety and quality of our health service, and we've got the budget under control, then we can start from a position of strength of thinking about how do we want to set up the governance you know, there's a there's a terrible tendency within government that when something's wrong to either rebrand it or or like put some new quango on top of it yeah um, and really what we should be doing is rolling up our sleeves and getting down to how we improve things well i'd like to just thank you for talking with me today it's been really interesting um, and i just want to finish on one uh, last question is where would you hope to go from here whether like for yourself, do you, do you see yourself just, um, obviously you have your own business as a consultancy, but in terms of a sort of a political career, where do you see going forward now for yourself? Uh, I mean, I want to be Minister for Health. It's We have a massive health crisis in the country. It's going to take 10 to 15 years of reform to, to get it there. Um, I've experienced, I mean, at the moment I'm working in the, a lot in the NHS. Um, I'd, love to, I'd love to get my hands on, on the health service here in Ireland. And so personally, that that's what I that's what I want to do. Um, now to get there, we need to well, first we we need to build the party so that it's big enough that that we can have a, a minister of health from our party, um, and as that's going to take nationwide organisation. Uh, we're going to have to have great candidates and great teams all over the country. So that that's a lot of what we're all be hoping to focus on as well. Uh, and then we'll need to start building our building out in Galway and getting myself and hopefully another person elected um, from Galway West and the neighbouring counties. And if we can have a really big party, big social democratic party in the government uh, of Ireland, I think there's no limit to what we can achieve. Thank you very much. You can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Please subscribe and leave us a rating and review. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Spoil Your Rain, and on the Facebook page. All comments and questions are answered to by either myself, Jack Kavanagh, or Ben Simmons, and are always welcome.